Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Football Film Room on this September 22nd. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined as always by veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. And there's so much football to talk about, Chris. We are into week three of the NFL season and so many injuries that we expected because of the lack of the preseason. Uh, we saw that in week two, and, and that's an ugly topic that we're going to get into. But also college football, uh, the SEC gets started this week. Uh, there are some more COVID issues, but it is an exciting time because we're really starting to get into the full swing of football season now. We really are. Uh, you know, the NFL's gone off pretty well, despite the injuries that we'll get into. And college seems a little bit weird still because it's like, you got games, you're watching them, but then you got, you know, a league, as you mentioned, the SEC just starting, which is uh-huh. kind of weird. So in some ways it kind of makes you feel like it's still early August and it's not. And then we still got uh, maybe a couple more leagues that are playing. So it's, hey, listen, it's going to be an unusual year. We know it, but I'm excited. I'm hopeful that we don't have, uh, we've got a situation with Notre Dame and Wake that, yep. that game they're not going to play, not going to play. And, it's going to happen. Um, the NFL has handled this stuff as good as you can handle it. What money can buy you, huh, Scott? I mean, yeah. the ability to test the every money can day buy you no positive to, to have a little a little Fitbit looking watch that can trace a fan that goes to a Kansas City game and tell you everybody that's coming. Kind of, it just. Um, so things are going well there. Well, so you I want to talk about the NFL taking it seriously. They just find a bunch of coaches $100,000 for not wearing their masks properly on the sidelines. And yeah, then it's funny, you can yeah. see, uh, I think it was during Monday Night Football, where John Gruden was talking to, I think, Henry Ruggs and David Carr, and then you see him pull up his mask real quick, and the players laugh, right? You could almost get the sense like John Gruden told them, hey, I ain't getting fined. <laughs> you know? Well, and you know what they need to do? And listen, I mean, let's call it what it is. They need to put on the Andy Reid mask. Yes, the, 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 the shield. shield, not not the mask, the shield, the face shields. Yep. That 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 can allow you because the reason the play callers, John Gruden, Sean Payton, are two examples of head coaches that are play callers. They can't communicate with a mask. You mm-hmm. sit there calling a play, right between twenty. 
Well, you can't hear that. It's mumbled. It's gargled. Put the shield on. And so, look, I if they're going to take this seriously, and they are, and we can debate that as to whether the need or not, that's what it is. Wear the damn shield. Wear the damn, you know, shield. And seems like uh, they figured out the the defogger. (laughs) So, you know, wear that. You know, you don't have to wear a mask. You can wear a shield. And as we've got people that are watching us, and we're hoping, by the way, you're watching us on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. We've got, I've got a headset on. Well, you got that shield that goes right over it. It doesn't affect, you can communicate. They can still see your mouth, your players, and you can communicate where it, it doesn't have an echo effect. So, yeah, no, they are taking it seriously. And they're finding folks, and they're probably going to continue to do that. Well, it's to me, it's a little bit of window dressing because, you know, you know listen, they, they tested everybody and everyone's negative. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's negative. Who are you getting it from? Uh, but I understand it's the right message to send for safety reasons. We all should be wearing masks. Maybe the NFL, instead of finding these guys all this money, should get on board with some of their equipment partners and maybe design a mask that is easy for all of them to wear, like the Andy Reid Clear Shield or something like that, that maybe has the NFL logo on it or the team logo on it, and there's no issues with communication. But anyway, the masks are are besides the point. Uh, I wanted to start in college football before we get into the NFL and everything that we saw in week two and preview week three's games, because it is a big weekend in college football with the SEC starting. We finally got into it with the number one conference in the country getting underway this weekend. We'll preview some of those games. But last weekend, Chris, I think two of the games that really stood out were one, of course, the uh, Derek King and Michael Malik, whatever you want to call him, Cunningham uh, matchup there between Miami and Louisville. And also Navy's 20, was it 24 nothing come 24 nothing come when he come from behind win juggling quarterbacks a team that doesn't throw the ball has to come from 24 down they score 26 unanswered points and win the game in a season that I don't know I would never say that Kenny Amatololo is on the hot seat that guy's going to be there as long as he wants to be there but an 0-2 start for the service academy is not a good uh, not a good start especially coming up the heels of the but whooping that they had in week one and to get blanked 24 nothing in the first half of week two, it was about to be a very long season in Annapolis. That was one of the most impressive second half comebacks I've seen in a long time. Well, I think you got to throw in the fact that they had that awful performance against BYU. And and I was def- defending Ken in that. I don't think that he went in with the idea that that was their football strategy that they had for week one. It was kind of what he was dealt and he thought was best for his players, you know, personally. And then it obviously backfired on the on the field against BYU to be down 24 with a young quarterback with with a lot of young players. This is not a you know plug and play. Everybody's a senior all the time. Navy looking team. And this was really impressive to show a lot of guts, a lot of character against a pretty good two-lane team that's got a pretty good defensive line. And you said it, to do it when the opposite way of how Navy does it, throwing (laughs) the football was really impressive. And, you know, it just goes to show you the greatness of college football, the excitement, the pageantry, the the, the passion um, of youth. Look how excited they were. I mean, it was like they had won – 
BCS game of, I mean, just something mm-hmm. that was huge for them. And, um, I, I just, I was, I was pleased for them, felt bad for Tulane to blow the lead, but Hey, you've got to be able to take care of business. So, yeah. uh, re- really was, I thought it was, the, I agree with you in that first wave, it was the most exciting game of that bunch. Oklahoma State was playing Tulsa and not very impressively. And well, that's they, they, lose their, they lose their quarterback lose and their, it changes but, everything. You know, they they did. And, and you know, look, I mean, it really, to me, I thought they were still going to be able to have more success against Tulsa mm-hmm. even with that. But that was the the Navy game was definitely the highlight of that first window. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Georgia State was kind of interesting too. But, no, it's great, and it's great that Navy gets that spotlight and a lot of we've talked about group of five schools getting the spotlight yeah. with not many of the programs. And that's going to start to change this week. It kind of feels almost like it's week one again in college football, yeah, it you know, it, 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 with the sec coming on board and this uh, was, it so was maybe, just week zero and then week 0.2. Well, yeah, yeah, we were all okay, sleep one, one, sleep two. And then, you know, now it's nuts. Uh, it's week one slash week three again. Uh, how impressed were you with with Miami's performance uh, going up against Louisville? I, I was impressed. I, I think that the thing that I question and have questioned about Miami is their on-field discipline. And uh-huh. what I mean by that is being smart, protecting the football, thought they did some good things defensively against a really good trifecta of quarterback, receiver, running back at Louisville has. Well-coached Louisville team. And I thought Miami did a good job. I think Derek King – is really coming along. The offensive line played well. So the real key is, okay, what does it mean for Miami? How good are they? I expect them to handle Florida State, a much hobbled Florida State. I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but with Mike Norvell out of the game, I, I think they're that much better than Florida State. It's time for Miami to make a statement. It's time for Miami to see if they put it together finally because this is a team that talent-wise is good enough to win that division mm-hmm. and is good enough to be the second team in the ACC. No, they're not a threat to challenge Clemson, <laughs> but they are a threat to be number two in the ACC. Sure. And they handle prosperity. We'll see. That's what's going to be. I expect them to take care of business against FSU this week. Well, the big story of the week, as we've said several times, is that the SEC does begin. Uh, it all starts at noon with a kickoff between uh, Florida and Ole Miss. And uh, Florida is a team, Chris, that I have talked up a lot this offseason. I'm very high on their chances to win the SEC East. Uh, I look at their schedule versus Georgia's schedule, where Georgia has to play Alabama and Florida doesn't. Um, and I think that that the SEC East just comes down to that game in Jacksonville between those two teams. And who knows uh, what the fan status will be, but Florida has allowed a certain amount of fans in the stadium. So I assume in Jacksonville, when it comes time for that game, there will be maybe 20,000 fans in that stadium. Either way, uh, I love this Florida team. They're ranked, what are they, five, I think? Uh, and for a good reason, they go up against Ole Miss. Uh, will they have a challenge here in week one? I don't, a little one, I don't think a whole lot. I think mm-hmm. we're, you know, to me, the storyline's going to be, okay, Florida, take care of business. You're the better team here. You got some experience at quarterback tight end. I think the only issue is if you're dealing in this weird year. Yep. I don't want to keep saying this every time. Is Do you, you know, you wake up and you, 
Friday and you get on a plane and you got, you know, a dozen guys, six guys that are starters that are out. And, and you know what only- I, and you know what I hate, Chris, is that we're finding out like 20 minutes before kickoff. Yeah, they because and, they, there's no transparency. They're not right? going to talk about it. And there's nothing first. that's mandated, right? Nothing's mandated no, no, that they have no. to release the information. No, no, they don't. And in fact, in fact, they're, you know, and it's not good for the gambling side of no, this. No, it's not. If they, it's, a, <laughs> it's an awful thing, he said, begrudgingly <laughs> and frustratingly, uh, vociferously saying, no, I hate it. Damn it. No, no it's, it's really bad. And so I don't. Barring anything that Florida is a better team, they take care of business. What I am looking for a game within the game here is I'm assuming now and that Ole Miss is going to go with Matt Corral, but you know, obviously they have a tremendous talent that they've got on the field. And and then I think, you know, not only a, a quarterback that's a great talent as a run threat, but they've got Jerry on easily. So I'm curious to see what this offense looks like for Ole Miss, whether they're able to get some, get Florida misaligned a little bit early and score some points that could make this very interesting early, but listen, if and I know it's early and you've had a little bit more time to prepare if you're in the sec and practice for an anticipated season, I expect there to be a little bit sharper play, particularly for a yeah. veteran team. I expect Florida to win and, and win going away eventually. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Uh, how about this for a first matchup of the season? Auburn has to host Kentucky, uh, a very sound Kentucky team. Not as good as maybe they were uh, maybe a couple of seasons ago, but still a good challenge for an Auburn team that has you know their own sights set on uh, going to the SEC title game. Yeah, I think this Auburn defensive front still going to be pretty good. Um, I like this Kentucky team. I don't know, right at this point, I was asked um, uh, a couple of days ago, who's the third best team in the East of the SEC? And I really um, am going back and forth, and I need to see them play a little bit. But at this point, it's pretty close between Kentucky and Tennessee at this mm, point. Um, wow. so, and I think both offensive lines are very good. I think this Kentucky team is really good. I think they're really physical, and I think they'll play Auburn pretty well. And I think Auburn is going to have to play a very good game, and I think they will, and that'll be the difference. And I do think that Bo Nix, um, you know, could be a factor here mm-hmm. that might mm-hmm. make a difference. But um, I do think at home Auburn should win this game, but I, I think Kentucky's got a good shot. The one thing I'm looking forward to watching this weekend going forward is the influence of Chad Morris on this offense. Chad Morris is a good friend of Gus Malzahn. Mm-hmm. He has a little bit of a different philosophy in terms of his offensive style. He works well with quarterbacks in the passing game. Gus is more of the run tempo, whereas yep. Chad is a little bit more of the pass tempo. So I'm curious to see how this meshes. Gus has always been, when things don't go well, kind of takes control of the offense, but he and Chad are like that. So I think he has more trust in Chad. This could be the beginning of what could be an Auburn team that has the potential there to maybe be the second best team in the West. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Got a quarterback coming back. 
Uh, got some areas that they've got to fill. And you would you would agree that the biggest jump is going to for Bo Nix is this this season, right? From I freshman so. season to sophomore season. I think so. I think that this will be a big jump. Of course, he hadn't had a full complement of spring and all that, so I might say that next year would be a, a okay. real opportunity. But I think so. I think that there's a real opportunity for him through that experience gain to make a big jump. And look, I, I don't know. I think the race in the West is, I mean, it's Alabama and everybody else um, unless Alabama gets, you know, crippled with, with, uh, with sickness or illness. And I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's debate. I think you can make a case for Auburn. You can make a case for LSU you can make a case for A&M and you could make a case against all three of those two uh, of those three teams as a second best in the West. So I think we'll begin to see and no doubt, I would say Kentucky, Auburn, and then uh, we'll probably get to the Tennessee, South Carolina game or the two games mm-hmm. that are the most intriguing uh, in the SEC this weekend, maybe in the entire country since we don't have a full slate of intrigue. Well, we, we do have one. I do think West Virginia, Oklahoma yeah. State intrigue. Uh, the defending champs, LSU, will take on Mississippi State. What are we expecting from LSU in this, uh, I guess, this turnover season, if you will, from the players that they lost last year, last year's national championship team? Well, I think what you're going to see is uh, a little bit more concerted effort with the run game. I think that, you know, Miles Brennan will, I think, do a nice job. He's not going to be Joe Burrow, LSU does not have the talent that they did. They have young talent, but last year's team was ultra-talented, talent, uh, ultra-experienced, and I think there are going to be some growing pains. I don't think necessarily it'll manifest itself in this week. I do think that Auburn and – excuse me – that Florida and, L- and Alabama are better, more talented teams than LSU, and those are teams on LSU's schedule. And then, to me, the flip games might be Auburn and a and Games that, again, I just said Auburn, A&M, LSU. So I think that'll be the intriguing games that will decide who ultimately is two, who's three, who's four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this is going to be intriguing to see LSU go from, obviously, with the, the – there's a lot of folks that think, well, just LSU's just going to – you know, uh, going to pick up where they left. And there's some people that think they're not, they're not going to be very good. Well, it's somewhere in between. They'll be good. I just, they're not going to be, in my opinion, national playoff caliber good. Yeah. I do think that you're going to see something that's interesting in Mississippi State, KJ Costello. Uh, what is, you know, we know what Mike Leach is probably going to do, but he hadn't had as much time to put it in. Yeah. Are they going to throw it 70 times? You know, we're going to begin to see how this Mike Leach system will work. Uh, in the SEC, and uh, we'll get to see it pretty early against a pretty talented team and how they're going to play that. That's going to be a lot of fun. You just got to find your inner pirate, Chris. That's (laughs) all you got to do. Let's talk about this Georgia team that was a little shocked with the news that Jamie Newman was going to opt out of the season and prepare for the NFL. I think everyone assumed that he was going to be the starting quarterback this season and expecting a nice season from the Wake Forest transfer, right? Uh, But now... I don't think they've announced their starting quarterback yet. I, I think, do we assume it's going to be JT Daniels? I guess uh, what Dewan Mathis has a chance to start, but I, I, I think it's going to be Mathis. I'd be you very, think it's going to be Mathis. Okay. Yes, I do. I do. Uh, and, and there's nothing coming out of there. I just think in terms of with not releasing JT full goal on the prep, I, I just uh-huh. think that it's going to be Mathis. Mathis is an athletic guy. He's tall. He's lean. He's, 
You know, I think they're going to do some RPO stuff with them. How much of the offense you'll give them? I think they'll break them in slowly because it is Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Let's call it they call it what it is. You this think is both the, of them will see time in this game? I think it's possible. I just don't know how much they feel JT's ready. I, I think there'll be every opportunity to to be able to play. Yeah, a lot of people. This is a dominant Georgia defense, maybe as good as anybody in the SEC maybe in the country, it's going to have a good running game as they normally do. But the key for Georgia is can they develop enough out of their passing game to be a difference in games where they might get into a little bit of trouble. Okay. Against Alabama, let's just call it in a few weeks, uh, in a conference championship game, maybe Mm -hmm. against Alabama again in a national playoffs, um, to get them out of a, a hole against South Carolina last year when they couldn't. Uh, that's the thing that we need to see. It won't be a factor this week. Arkansas is not very good. I think that that Georgia kind of controls this game at the line of scrimmage, wins it with the running game and defense. And I'm curious to see what they're able to try and let loose with their offense. If anything, the passing game, uh, how's Texas A&M going to look this year? I think on Vanderbilt in their opener. Yeah. And this will be another one where they can try some things. Vanderbilt is probably, I think the worst team in the league going to be worse than Arkansas. Um, I think A&M will be good. I think A&M is still not where LSU is personnel wise or where Auburn is, but I, I have a lot of respect what Jimbo Fisher does with his offenses and at the quarterback position. I, I'm not overly thrilled with Kellen Mond, but I know what Jimbo can get out of him. And there's enough experience there to where I think this can be a good team. I think their schedule, while not like it was last year, is still a challenge. They go to Alabama week two, then they've got Florida. I mean, that's two games that they that's should not win. To back. They should really be one and three. There's no way they shouldn't be anything better than one and three. Then they end so, the season. They end the season, Chris, with LSU and Auburn back to back at at Auburn. So you know, to me, I look at them as a roster, and I think they probably should be a four loss team. I agree. Um, we'll see how that goes. I do think they're capable. We saw them beat LSU. Um, with a less talented team in, in college station two years ago. And that's possible. Well, well that's such. So later in the year, we'll see how things going, but I think it's, I think as steady as the course with AM. I still think they're a year away, maybe two from being where they can really contend. But I think Jimbo, the way he's recruiting and the way he's kind of putting things in place, I think they're getting incrementally better. And I think we'll see that this year. Uh, you flagged this game as the second best game on the SEC schedule. It's number 16, Tennessee against Might be the South best. Carolina. Yeah, it could be the best. Point, I think it's, point spread wide right is the closest. The, yeah, it's the clo- you're right. It's the closest point spread game. It's only a three and a half point spread and might go down with more money coming in on South Carolina because uh, uh, they are the home team in this matchup. But you like Tennessee to be, you said, maybe that third, that third best team in the East? Well, it's Tennessee or Kentucky, and I'm really – Pardon me, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Um, I I don't know. Tennessee fans uh, are getting choked up as well hearing you say it. Yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee's still quite a ways behind Florida, and Florida's behind Georgia talent-wise. Doesn't mean that Tennessee can't pull an upset. But I need to see this Tennessee team, which is, again, going to have a good offensive line, good running game. Quarterback The situation concerns me. Um, I think they've got a pretty good defensive front. I want to see – 
you know, everyone assumes that, you know, the Jeremy Pruitt fixed it last year and what they were at the end of the year was how they're going to start. Well, we need to see that. I, I'm, I like them a little bit more than South Carolina, but South Carolina is at home. And I think this is this game is a game that if Tennessee is going to be third, I think they got to win this game because, I mean, I think they're kind of in a race with Kentucky, at least as the third best looking team in the East. I don't I think that uh, I would put South Carolina fifth. So that's kind of how I see it. And I think it's really intriguing because I give Tennessee a little bit of a personnel advantage and a team advantage, but they're on the road. And whereas, you know, I think Auburn's a little bit better than Kentucky and they're in at home, I I expect Auburn to win. I'm not quite sure that I'm comfortable in saying who's going to win Tennessee, South Carolina, even though I would pick Tennessee. I think it's going to be close. All right, we got some questions coming in. Uh, again, you can send your questions in at any time. Join us in the chat room, and we'll be glad to answer those questions as uh, we continue here on the Football Film Room. We'll get to the NFL questions in a couple of minutes. We're going to finish up on some college talk, preview this the remainder of this week's schedule, and then we'll get into the NFL and answer your NFL questions. So Burns and uh, Higgins, just hang on the line, and uh, we will answer those questions here on the football film room. Uh, More intriguing games on the Saturday schedule, Chris. In the ACC, you got Pittsburgh against Louisville. Louisville looking to bounce back after that loss against uh, Miami. And Pitt, which escaped the Syracuse team that I thought they should have rolled over rather easily. And I don't know if uh, they can be too happy with the outcome of that game, knowing that they probably should have rolled all over them. Probably so. Um, I like what I see in Pitt right now is a team that has a chance, again, to be pretty good at the line of scrimmage defensively, um, run the football. I, I, I kind of like this team. You know, I look, they're not – they're a solid team. And I, I kind of like both of these teams or like this matchup because both of these teams are physical. And I do think – it's going to be a really intriguing one and uh, good for, I mean, the ACC network getting a little bit of a break here. That's a, that's a big game for that. Yeah. Um, that that's, that's, a, I, I actually am looking more, I'm more intrigued by this game than Miami, Florida state, considering the plight of where those two programs are in the ACC. So I kind of like uh, Pitt a little bit at home here, but I do expect Louisville to rebound play well, and it wouldn't surprise me if they gave them all they want for four quarters. Yeah, well, that game that you mentioned uh, is going to be the primetime game on ABC is Florida State and Miami. Uh, Could this be a letdown spot for Miami, maybe taking a Seminole team lightly after coming off the big victory on the road against Louisville? It's definitely a letdown spot, Scott, you know, but this, if you're going to be good, if you're going to build off of what you had, and I think it's been two nice wins. I mean, UAB, you can say what you want, took care of business. Um, Florida State's not playing very well right now and without their head coach. I mean, I think Florida State is going to be motivated. Florida mm-hmm. State's still got athletes at certain spots. Can they play together? Um, I think that Miami, if you're going to make some noise here, you've got to win these type of games. You're more talented. You've got yeah. a quarterback that can make plays. I expect them to put the hammer down a little bit on Florida State. And what I mean by that, I expect them to win – you know, 10, 14, 17 points personally. I, I, mm-hmm. I think they will take care of business. But 
if Miami reverts back, and I, I don't mean to keep harping on it, but if they revert back to Miami that plays dumb football at times, yeah. this, with, with the, the fact that it could be a kind of a season maker, an attitude type game where I think Florida State's going to be really pumped up, this game could be in jeopardy if Miami allows it to. We got a question here coming in from Burns who wants to know in regards to college football, how important is home field this year considering the lack of fans? And it's a great conversation, Chris, because you don't have a hundred thousand fans at the stadium. You know, I was watching, I think it was Notre Dame maybe had like 15 to 20,000. A couple of other stadiums have had the select group of fans, but it certainly is not the home field advantage that you're used to seeing with the 100,000 fans and the noise level getting to the 100 decibels or whatnot in some of these stadiums. I I think it's a great question, and it's a great point, and my answer is very simple. I think it's it's much less of an advantage because – Just from a strategic standpoint, the okay, you you can't hear at the line of scrimmage. You got to go on silent count. You're not going to have to do that. Even you know, twenty thousand fans in a hundred thousand seat stadium, you know, it's just not going to resonate quite as much. Even if we Uh get to that, so I I I don't think it's going to be nearly the home field advantage. Now the other thing is. You know, but home field, it, it still is, you know, it's always easy to be at home. You got to go travel. You got to adjust. You get things like that, that, you know, even in the COVID environment, that's more complex. Those things are a little bit of a hindrance, and you still got to do that if you got to go on the road. But the home field advantage, you know, um, is not going to be nearly as much. But you know what? When it comes right down to it, it's really going to be about the more talented teams. I think it may have an impact in the NFL even more where the talent yeah. are evenly dispersed in college, you know, so LSU is not going to have a big home advantage as they normally do against Mississippi state. I don't think it's going to have a huge factor, you know, but it might have a huge factor if Alabama and LSU play and they can only get 30,000 in those things, I think could have an effect. So that's a really, uh, I, it's a question, but obviously I know where you were going with that. Yeah. That's really some good thoughts there. All right. Well, let's get into the NFL, Chris, and we'll start our NFL conversation this week with how we're going to start our NFL conversation every week moving forward. Now that we have games to break down and that is with our play of the week and our play of the week this week is the onsides kick that happened in the Dallas Atlanta game in which Dallas had this furious comeback and kicked the most bizarre onsides kick that wound up being recovered and in this new age of NFL onside kick rules Chris you really don't see these converted as much so walk us through exactly what happened here on this play. Well, here's the thing is we're going to go slow motion here. Watch it slow motion. Watch the bottom four guys for Atlanta, really five as the backup guy. What you've got to do, and it is very difficult, you've got to get in. You cannot block. You've got to come up, though, in front of the Cowboys as the Cowboy team, the kicking team, is coming forward. You've got to run and you've got to shield them so that you cannot allow your backup guys to be able to recover it, okay? So here's the issue, and here's where I think the brain cramp came in. I equate this to a ground ball down third base in baseball where you're trying to decide, I'm going to have a hard time throwing him out, so let me see if it might go go foul. foul. Uh So uh in this case, what you're trying to do 
remember, you do not need to let it go 10 yards if you're the receiving team. You can go in, and you can go in right now as we watch it again. For those of you that are watching it, and we encourage you to watch us on Twitch each and every week, you want to charge the ball, but you want to have the lead chargers get in front to block the kicking team from having a good path, not block them physically, but impede them, shield them, if you will, so that you could, you have your backup defender go up and recover it now. See, these two guys that are near should have been shielded. Now they're waiting. Well, now it's too late. You've got to wait. You don't have the good angle, and you're waiting and hoping it doesn't go 10 yards. It's heading to go 10 yards. At that point, Scott, you've got to see that it's going 10. You need to jump on it because now you're waiting. The longer you wait, the more you allow the kicking team to get into position to cover it unimpeded. What's clear is that they, and you say, of course the receiving team can recover it before it goes 10 yards. They were afraid of touching it before 10 yards because if they touch it and don't recover it, the Cowboys can then recover it before it advances 10 yards. So there's four players around the ball just waiting for it to get to the 10-yard mark. And when it does, they're not in a position to field it. Which is why I'm explaining that you can't wait around. What you've got to do is you've got to circle back and then basically work in unison with the kicking team to kind of shield the kicking team from having an unimpeded process to the ball so that your your back – group is able to come forward and recover it with you as the ability to catch what I call the squirt out ball. You've got to create a man advantage around the football. The longer you wait, the the further advantage you give to the kicking team to be able to recover it. And the only thing at that point is you're hoping it doesn't go 10 yards. That's your only salvation. But if it goes 10, you're out of luck because you're out of position to be able to recover the ball and they're in better position. So again, you've got to be in a position to where you circle forward and Mm -hmm. you work back and your, your back guys can recover the ball. And if they don't recover it cleanly, you've got two guys in a position to where you've got at least a four on two advantage to get the ball. You've got to be able to do that. You've got to go and get the ball, and that's what you've got to do, and it is always a concern. People say, well, they didn't understand they need to – no, they (laughs) did know, but they were concerned because they didn't play it correctly. They were concerned exactly what Scott just said. Oh, my goodness, we're not in good position here, and this was running slow, and they're getting closer to the ball, meaning Dallas. If we go, we're further away from the ball. Mm -hmm. We're going to only make contact. And we are assuredly going to give them the chance to recover. And at that point, they felt like, oops, the only thing we can do is hope that it doesn't go 10 yards. So the mistake was not waiting on it. The mistake was that it was poorly played from a positioning standpoint to prevent the whole process of waiting. That's where the whole process was poorly played, poorly managed. And for Dan Quinn and his staff, look, this is – 
let's just call it on the on the heels of this game that Dallas gave it to to Atlanta and Atlanta gave it back on a silver platter <laughs> to Dallas and you know they, they are still not living down in Atlanta the big 24-3 lead they gave up in the Super Bowl now you blow this you started off 1 and 6 last year yep it's not um and Arthur Blank is is first team in NFL history to score 39 points without a turnover and lose the game. Prior situations, Chris, teams were 440 and oh in that situation. This puts Dan Quinn in a situation that it is going to take a version of a Hail Mary of the rest of the season for him to save his job. Because Arthur Blank was looking to make a move anyway. And I think he's going to have to completely rewrite this season. They're going to have to come back. They're going to have to play so well that they bury this game to where people Mm -hmm. just laugh at it and they end up doing spectacular things. I don't think another little quick run is going to be enough here. All right, let's answer some questions from the audience. Uh, Pat sends in the question and says, do you buy the Packers defense this year? They're going to face the same issue as they did last year when they run into a team that could run the ball over them and keep Rodgers off the field. No, that I, I'm not quite buying him yet. It's too early. What I do like thus far is their ability to obviously create some points and play with the lead. You're correct. They've got to be able to show their ability up front to do a better job with gap control, defend the run. That is going to be the key. That could be their Achilles heel. Now, who that's going to be, because right now looking at the top of the NFC and figuring out who the best in the NFC is, you know, Seattle looks pretty good right now. I mean, Arizona's mm-hmm. a good-looking little team. You know, certainly Dallas and New Orleans are not – that. you know, I, so I think Green Bay's in that mix. But I do think that they're still going to have to win it the way that Green Bay is having to been win it, winning it, and that is get some early points, yep. run the football themselves, because I think protecting their defense and keeping their defense fresh, playing with a lead is going to be their best formula. So I do need to see more out of their defense, and I'm not convinced their defense can be stout enough against the run to be as good as maybe it looks at this stage. Here's another question coming in, Burns. Uh, what's the bigger problem in Philly, the defense or Carson Wentz being inconsistent? The offensive line, which is creating the inconsistencies in protection, it's forcing the ball out a little bit quicker than it needs to be. It's it's Wentz is not been inconsistent, but it has a lot to do with the offensive line. When you see a quarterback making mistakes, turning it over, getting the ball out too quick, that is a byproduct. Now, look, I'm not taking him off the hook. He's got to protect the football better. You got to throw it away. You've, but they've got to start playing better up front. If they don't start playing better up front, I mean, this Eagle team is to me not a playoff team. Yeah, I would agree. And I think they're just, they're just, we're going to see that throughout the year and they're going to have problems. So, what do you need to do? Well, the ball needs to come out quick. They're going to have to be able to work the quick pass game a little bit better. And I think they're going to have to develop some rhythm because you're not going to be able to hold protection long enough to work the game vertically. And I think you're going to have to be able to take your vertical shots off of, you know, um, unusual downs, you know, and early downs where it's unexpected. Uh, I, I think there's some real problems there. I, but I think Wentz is part of the problem, but I think it's rooted in how their offensive line is. Here's another question coming in uh, from Pat. Phil Rivers, Philip Rivers still looks pretty jittery in the pocket despite a much better offensive line this year. Are you seeing the same thing and think it's him or still settling into a new system? 
Look, I'm seeing the same thing, um, but why is it, okay? Um, I think it could be settling in with, you know, side adjustments with receivers because the offensive line, I think, is going to be pretty good. And the answer is we're not going to know until we get further in the season because at mm-hmm. some point you've got to figure that out. I'm, I'm concerned that it is Philip and it is Philip bad habits that he, he almost, he, he almost looks like a, a golfer who's got swing habit problems <laughs> that okay. is just continuing to go over and over again. And, and if that, if that doesn't change, the turnover machine is, is going to kill him. The, the turnover Philip is just, is going to be the dagger in this whole season for them. I did think, and I did believe, and I still believe that Frank Wright is very good with quarterbacks. I do believe in their offensive line. I do believe in their ability to be able to control the games a little bit better. But I do think the only variable is, okay, Phillip has got to become more comfortable with those receivers, and he's got to become become comfortable in the pocket. And if he's not able to do that, Mm -hmm. then they're going to fall short in a division that, you know, right now Tennessee looks like clearly the best, but – Indy, Indy, that that whole key is about Philip being able to protect the ball, and that first week was ridiculously bad. Fantasy Football One Hundred and One wants to know: Is it the Leonard Fournette show now in Tampa? I don't know about the Leonard Fournette show, but what you're going to see is the ability to work the running game a little bit more and work play action. So, yeah, I would say some of that is true. I think that they're going to be real effective. Um, you know, more effective now running the football. Think that's going to be key. Establishing the line of scrimmage is really important for them. And as we're the emphasis has been the past couple of weeks, last week is Brady, this week is Drew Brees. I'm sure we'll get to it about, oh, they're old, they can't do this or that. You got to play better around them. And one way to be able to help things is help that running game and and help that uh, the ability to be able to attack and force defenses into the box. That's going to create some matchups for you in the middle of the field that mm-hmm. I think need to be helped right now. Uh, how about this question? Can Jacksonville sustain their early season success on offense? I'm not sure that it's sustainable through the entire year, but you know what? I am seeing a little bit of the Miami Dolphins last year in Jacksonville. Oh yeah. Tank this. Okay. You know, we're going to come <laughs> out. We're going to play hard. You know, well, how many you know, times, Chris, how many times have you and I talked about this? It's, like an organization can yeah. can do things to maybe not put the best roster out there or not, you know, give the guys the best opportunity to succeed. But every player out there, there's no such thing as tanking. The players are out there busting their ass to, to win a football game. So don't tell anybody that they're tanking. Sure, the organization might get rid of Yannick Ngakwe. They might get rid of Leonard Fournette, but the players that are on the field are giving it 110%. No doubt about that. Garner played very well. I was very impressed. I, th- I thought they were watching the game. I thought they were dead in the water against Tennessee pretty early. They fought back. Yeah. You know, this is this is this is anything but a team that's given up. They're fighting. And look, I you know, can they continue to play well, play hard? Yeah. I think this could be a dolphin season this year for the Jags, where they win a handful of games and they win a couple that you don't you, you don't expect. And, you know. Maybe it prevents them from getting Trevor Lawrence, but you know what? If you play well and you find your quarterback, who knows? But uh, is do I think they're going to be a challenger in the division? No, I do not. I don't well, think they're getting to five hundred. 
How about we start with those two teams that you just likened to each other in our first game preview of week three, and that is the Dolphins at the Jaguars on Thursday night, Chris. Well, and I think this is a winnable one. I think this is a game that Jacksonville can line up and, you know, um, as opposed to, say, the first two weeks, hey, you know what? I don't think they match up very well. I don't think they're – I think they can play with Miami. I think it's definitely a winnable game for both, but I like – the way this Jags team is playing. I thought the Dolphins hung in there for, um, you know, against Buffalo. Watching the game and then watching the tape, Scott, Buffalo kind of dominated the game. Jacksonville looks to be a little bit better, kind of like Jacksonville here at home. Uh, This is one, though, you got to win if you're the Jags because, again, I think there are not many games in which you're going to line up and say, you know what, personnel-wise, we can match Mm -hmm. up. All right, moving on to Sunday, we got the Bears at the Falcons, and uh, <laughs> you talk about Dan Quinn's seat getting hotter and hotter. Well, you lose here to the Bears at home, and you might not make it past Week Four. Yeah, you bet. You better win this one. And Chicago's two and zero, not real impressive on tape. Two and zero, but they're two and zero. I get it. That's important. And I thought Trubisky made some good throws, um, you know, at times last week must win for the Falcons. I mean, I, I thought last week was a pivotal game, early game, when I was we were talking about the breakdown of the Cowboys and the Falcons. The loser is going to be, you know, it's going to be a tough week. I didn't expect the Falcons to lose the way they did. Um, this is huge. Uh, absolutely. At home against the Bears. You go 0-3. Yeah, I think this is going to be very, very difficult to for, for Dan Quinn to survive maybe through the entire season. So must win, and I think the Falcons respond. The one thing that I've seen Dan Quinn's do is when their backs are against the wall, they can come out and, and play well. And they played well. I know Dallas made a lot of mistakes, but they could play well enough mm-hmm. to win this game. They're the better team of the two here. I think they respond and they win. I really do. A desperation win. How about the Rams at the Bills? Uh, how about the Buffalo yep. Bills with uh, aspirations to win the division? And the Rams have looked very good, uh, very good so far early in the season. Starting to look a little bit more like the 18 Rams, playing yeah. well on offense. The offensive mm-hmm. line's playing well. The defense is doing a lot of things. How about Aaron Donald? They're lining them up, playing them down the piano, all down the line. It's really, really good. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to Josh Allen. I know it was against Miami. They played very well. I mentioned against in week one against the Jets. Got to protect the ball well, bit by better. And I, I think that's the one thing. But I thought he made some big-time throws. But I want to see him do it on this stage. I want to see him do it against this team. It's one thing to be able to, to go up against the Jets and the Dolphins. No disrespect. But let's cool the Jets a little bit on the Bills until they beat a team like the Rams. Next week at this time, with a good performance, if they beat the Rams, I'm ready to say, look, yeah, that that's the team that's playing the best in the, the FC East. I'm not sure I'm ready to say that yet. I just think they played pretty well against a pretty weak schedule. Washington at the Browns. And, you know, there was a time last week when the Cowboys were losing – where some people thought maybe this is Washington's division this year, Chris. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Now I'm going to say again with Washington, we'll see a little bit further as they get into the schedule. Um, I'm not sure that it's sustainable there. And look, this Browns team, uh, they got dominated by the Ravens week one, bounced back, played well against the, the Bengals. 
look, this is a game they that that the the Browns are better should be able to win this game at home. I think they've got a little more consistent situation at quarterback. I love their one-two punch at running back. Um, no, I, I think they're the better team here. Love the Redskins defensive line, but uh, and I think they're playing with better organization, better purpose, more discipline. I just think there are limitations here. The Browns are the key here. The Browns will dictate this game. They're the talent, the more talented team. A stinker of a game is the only way the the, Reds, the Washington team will win. <laughs> How about the Titans at the Vikings? It has not been Ooh. a good start of the season here for the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh, downright ugly. Um, you know, looks like a team that's missing some components you know uh maybe a, a receiver that's in buffalo now uh, that certainly uh, yeah, hurts could be. um the quarterbacks you know uh got to be able to get in a better rhythm uh offensive line still at times not been as effective got to get the running game going the defensive front's not the same defensive front desperation game here for minnesota a little bit leery tennessee's the better team I'm going to repeat, desperation game. You begin to lose your team You when you're a team like Minnesota. I think you got some players on there that might kind of go their own way, thinking about contracts or what have you. Not too early to start thinking about a team now that is in real danger. I, look out for Minnesota at home here to play well. Tennessee's the better team, though. Let's move on to the Raiders at the Patriots. Very impressed with the way that Cam yeah. Newton and the Pats played against the Seahawks. Yeah, they did. I thought they played very well. I had every chance to win it. Uh, it's a very good defensive team. Um, I thought the Saints played poorly against the Raiders on both sides of the ball. I don't think the Patriots are going to miss all the tackles that the Saints did. I think the Patriots get it done at home here. I'm still not – I was impressed with what I saw the Raiders do. I thought Derek Carr played well. Look, they did their job. The Saints didn't. I don't think the Raiders are – quite to the level of where New England is. We'll see. For the second week in a row, the 49ers are at MetLife Stadium complaining about the turf there with all the injuries. They take on a Giants team that's 0-2, desperate for a win. Uh, the 49ers, are they maybe a little too banged up in this matchup here? It's definitely a game that the Giants can win because of that factor. The Niners still trying to find an MRI machine. They, they're in trouble. They, they, they the MRI machine home. broke down, Chris. And no, they, 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 they did that brought a portal one. It broke down. It just hasn't been a good start. This, this, uh, uh, God bless the jets. Cause I'm, I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm like, sir, the, the jets are losing to a, a one-legged quarterback and a mm -hmm. team that just lost two defensive linemen. And it didn't have an effect. I think the and no Giants, George Kittle. And no George Kiddo. I mean, uh, just was a mess. I, I think the Giants will play this game close. I am not uh, – this is not a shoe-in that the Niners win this game. I think this is, could be a tough one. It could be one the Giants might be able to get. Yeah, I think this is the upset of the week probably, and the Giants pulling off even without Saquon Barkley, and that's a huge loss for them. But we've Dude. seen in the past, ironically – that the Giants, when Barkley comes out of the game, has have played well. I think it was Daniel Jones's first game against Tampa. Barkley goes out in the first half, and Daniel Jones has a ridiculous second half and leads the Giants to a come-from-behind victory. So maybe without Barkley, they put the ball on the shoulders of Daniel Jones and the offense flows a little bit better. Maybe that's a style that Jason Garrett would rather you know, call plays in as opposed to relying so much on Saquon Barkley. Maybe. I just worry about where the pass rush is coming from San Francisco. Yeah. They've gone through a lot. Uh, yeah. They're going to make a lot of playmakers. I think this is more about what 
the 49ers situation yeah. than the Giants. I don't think the Giants are very good, but I think the Giants are better organized than the Jets. So I give them a chance to play well, and mm-hmm. if the Niners can't adjust to all their problems, sure. they, they could get upended here. All right, we move on to the Bengals at the Eagles. Well, I just don't want to, and you know, you've done uh, TV shows uh, covering the Eagles. I just don't want to imagine for the Eagles staff and the Eagles players what it's going to be like in Philly mm-hmm. if the Bengals come in, play well, and beat them. I think this is ugly. I think this is a yep. kind of a must-win game, not because oh, must-win or they're out of the. I don't think the Eagles are a playoff team. I think this is a big-time game in which they've got to lace them up and say, okay. We can go out there. We can compress the game plan a little bit. We can do less things, and we can focus on what we do well. And if we do that, um, we can win this game. I think the Eagles get it done here. Um, maybe they can get to Joe Burrow a little bit, uh, but they got to be careful here. This is There's no game that's a cinch for the Eagles this year, the way their offensive line's playing. I would agree. We move on to the Texans at the Steelers, and Bill O'Brien could be staring in the face of an 0-3 start here. Yeah, and you know what? This is kind of a must-win game for the Texans, and this is you know a a game in which you know the, for all the criticism and all the deficiencies, they all tend to they tend to fare well in that division. I mean, the Texans have pretty much owned that division for years, and this is kind of a boy. They, it's a must-win for them going down zero three, as you mentioned. Steelers are just better. I mean, they're now they did not play well last week. I mean, no. they tend to play down to their opponent. They're so good on defense. This is a really good team on defense. Um, a danger game for Pittsburgh. If they play like they did last week, they could lose this. I think they play well. They respond at home. I think they make the Texans go on three. I would agree with that. We move on to the Jets at the Colts. Uh, can, can we make a Super Bowl three guarantee? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I won't go quite that far, but I do like the Colts at home. I think all the things we talked about with Phillip Rivers, trusting that offensive line, if you can't get well against the Jets, you can't get well. Yeah. Taylor so, ran the ball well last week, too. He did. Jonathan yeah. Taylor ran well, and I think they'll be able to do that. And as uh, Greg Williams will throw some blitz, they'll run right at it a little bit. So I like their chances here. I think they match up pretty well against the Jets. Panthers at the Chargers and and the probably the most bizarre uh comment of the weekend came from Anthony Lynn where he said if Tarad Taylor is healthy he's still our quarterback and what more did you need to see from Justin Herbert in that game Chris to show you that he's ready to be your starting quarterback yeah no I think that uh looking at the Chargers I'm seeing uh, a team that probably feels like they can compete. The head coach feels like they can. They need a veteran quarterback. Um, but I'm with you. I think that the defense plays well. I think they've got a really good chance. Um, you know, to I, I think get forward with their development or their quarterback and with this defense be a pretty good team. Eckler's playing real. Very well. By the way, I think Carolina is doing a really nice job. They're playing pretty well. I just think the Chargers win at home here. And um, yeah, no McCaffrey is just a huge blow to the Panthers. Big, big blow. Big, yeah. big blow to them. Let's move on to the Bucks at the Broncos. Uh, Denver signing Blake Bortles. Um, as you know, they have quarterback issues. Uh, Tom Brady picks up his first victory. You know what I thought I found that was amazing, Chris, that they were talking about last week. 
that in Tom Brady's entire career, he has never started 0-2. Yeah, you know, he's, he's had a lot of success in a lot of good teams, and that was the, the thing you talk about, huh? And I don't know that uh, they'll start out one and two. I, I like their chances. You know, Denver can be tough on the road, but, you know, having to, with their quarterback situation, the Bucks have got to be able to, you know, against a good defense, no doubt, mm-hmm. they should be able to move the football. And I just don't think – this Bucks defense is playing pretty good. I, I don't think that Denver is going to muster enough offense here. Let's talk about the Lions at the Cardinals. Uh, you got to love this Cardinals team playing with a lot of exciting excitement and energy. The DeAndre Hopkins move uh, c- could not have worked out better through two games, Chris. He's got 22 catches, 219 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, no, they look – they are a better-looking team than I anticipated. Um, I've already looked at what I think their win total could be, and I do think – when you're looking at that extra playoff spot, they, they absolutely could get in. We'll see how it develops. And again, I like what they're doing on offense. I think they they're doing some good things on defense. I still want to see them, um, you know, play against better teams. So their schedule is very, very favorable. So we'll see. I, I don't know how they'll do, you know, as they get into the meat of their schedule, but I still think they're pretty good. And Detroit, uh, typical Detroit, they have looked very good in the first quarter, the first couple of games, and just cannot finish. And I just don't know that I like them on the road here uh, against the Cardinals. The Cowboys at the Seahawks, and what could be the highest scoring game of the weekend? Could be. Seattle team looks really good, don't they? Russell Wilson looks really good. And I think that as they're able to continue to work with that running game a little bit, uh, you know, defensively, they have to manufacture pressure, but they don't give up big plays. And um, I like this team. There's no question. I, I, I think this is going to be tough. I think they're better than Dallas. We'll see if Dallas can go on the road and pull it off. But I, I, I like the Seahawks here. The Packers at the Saints. Um, I have not liked what I've seen out of Drew Brees through the first two games. He does not look comfortable. And maybe that's age. Maybe that's the lack of preseason. And he's not quite prepared for the season as he normally would be in these uncertain times, but he has not looked like the Drew Brees of old. Kamara's great. Uh, the defense can make plays. That's an ugly loss last night uh, against the, the Raiders. And now on a short week to have to come around and, you know, I guess you're home. It's okay. But now you welcome in Aaron Rodgers and the Packers who have played really well on both the offense and defensive lines. And Roger and, and they have the leading rusher in the NFL right now, and Aaron Jones. There's uh, no question. Saints defense had not played well uh, against the Raiders. Missed a lot of tackles. Uh, as far as Drew Brees, you know, Drew Brees getting the ball down vertically is not something they've been able to do very well for some time. But what's happened now is. Without Michael Thomas, their ability to work the horizontal passing game is affected. You know, when you've got a bracket, Michael Thomas, and he still can get open and you know where he's going to be, that's Drew's comfort zone. So now you've got, you know, the Jared Cooks and Williams. And, I mean, you, you've got uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders guys that he's Emmanuel Sanders, who was nowhere to be found last night. He's, he can't really rely on them to be where he's supposed to be. So he's hesitant. He's holding the ball, and that's why he's not comfortable. Um, I don't think Drew's like shot. I, I think his deep arm has not been there, and I think it's at the end. But without Michael Thomas, without the or, or the receivers that he can develop comfort in, I think they're in trouble, and I mm-hmm. think we saw that. I think they've got to work the running game more and be more effective. 
And uh, the Packers look better right now. There's no question about it. And we'll see if the Saints can win one at home. No home crowd to really speak of. So we'll see. Um, Green Bay looks better right now. No question. And and it's to me, it's going to be about the run game. The Saints' ability to run or lack thereof and and the ability to defend the run for both, that's going to be the key. That's going to determine this game. Finally, we got the Chiefs at the Ravens, the game of the year so far uh, in this uh, very early part of the season. It is the game of the year on Monday Night Football. Baltimore's look better. I think Baltimore wins this game. I think that they will win this game at the line of scrimmage. I think they'll be able to run the football on Kansas City. Uh, you're not going to shut down Kansas City. Kansas City is going to get their shots. They're going to take their shots. They're going to score some points. Uh, can you control the game enough? And can you score enough points on Kansas City? They're never out. So if you got that game and you got a 10-point lead and it's in the fourth quarter, you better make sure they don't have two possessions mm-hmm. because they can find a way to get it done. This this Baltimore team's look pretty good. Uh, this Kansas City team at time has looked – I thought the, the Chargers were, did a really good job def, def, defensively against them. Well, I think that you can learn some things if you're Baltimore schematically. You've got to be able to come up and be aggressive against them. I, I kind of like Baltimore here at home. They just look a little bit better on film than Kansas City, more complete anyway. And all these previews and more can be found, Chris, up on LandryFootball.com, where you got film room previews of all the major college games and of the NFL, as well as well as film room recaps and daily notebooks, which include everything you need to know to stay up on top of both college football and the NFL. Yeah, depth chart movements, uh, roster movements with all these injuries we've got in our notebooks. But, you know, so we've got up uh, as we're uh, doing this show live on Tuesday. And if you're listening to it, we're taped it, you know, for you on Tuesday. Uh, we've got all the recaps of the games this past week with the film room grades, what happened, uh, why it happened, and how the players graded out for both teams. And so that's what we do in the early part of the week, and then we'll obviously put the game previews up for this week where we'll give you to this point in the year how have the players graded for each team. So you get a real good uh, a scouting, coaching, you know, film room analysis of the games that have played, the games that are coming up. So however you want to consume the game and enjoy the game, fantasy, gambling, just want to get a good feel for the game, an X is an old part of it. That's what we provide for you. We think you'll love it at LandryFootball.com. We do the same thing on the college side. We recap and review the games, how players have graded inside the film room and how we uh, anticipate the games coming out and how the players uh, players graded, as well as our notebooks on the college side each and every day. There you go. Be sure to go to LandryFootball.com. You can click on the Twitch icon. You can click on the podcast page and hear all the shows, watch all the shows, and follow us along on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Football. You can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can follow me at Scott's on Air and subscribe, rate, and review to Landry Football's conference call to make sure you listen to new episodes right here of the Football Film Room and more. We're back each and every Tuesday live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football, seven o'clock Eastern time. So be sure to send in your questions. We will answer them along the way. And Chris, enjoy the SEC opener this weekend and enjoy that game of the year on Monday night between the Chiefs and the Ravens. I will do. And thanks for uh, Bernsey and fantasy football for your questions and comments. Go and uh, watch us live, as Scott said, on Twitch. Hit that heart button, like us, send us your comments and questions. We'd like to interact with you. Talk to you guys next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.